Our Father, it's an understatement to say that we count ourselves most blessed on earth to be forever yours. We thank you that you have made a way through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you that we can have peace with God through him. And even now, as we turn to your word, we would ask that you speak to our hearts, that you convict us, that you change us, and ultimately conform us into the image of your Son. You take this time, hijack it however you wish, and we pray that your Son would be greatly glorified in all that takes place. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Before we go to the Word of God, which is uh, where we're going to spend uh, most of our time, as is appropriate, I was asked to briefly give just a touch of an update, Um, and so first I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the family at First Colony for the way that you've walked alongside Priyanka and I, not just in now going to Bangladesh, but in the journey up to Bangladesh. Again, I'm not going to say much on it. Um, You certainly can ask us many questions, but uh, I'll share maybe about three minutes, and I think it'll be enough to give you a taste of what the little uh, start has been like. Um, We have been praying about Bangladesh for about five years, six years now, and the Lord made it very clear a couple of years ago to start walking that direction. And uh, if you don't know much about Bangladesh, it's an absolutely outstanding country. When I say outstanding, it means it stands out. And why do I say it like that? Well, because of how crowded the country is. It's smaller than the state of Georgia, smaller than the state of Iowa, and yet it packs in well over 165 million people. And that's the lowest number. So if you think I'm exaggerating, you go do your research and you will realize I'm understating it. The lowest number I can find is what I give you. It is the fourth largest Islamic nation in the world and the third largest Hindu nation in the world. And remember, smaller than the state of Georgia. If you think India is crowded, visit Bangladesh. Almost three times as crowded as India. Now, for those of you that watch the World Cup, you might note that eight of the ten most populous nations in the world are not in the World Cup, which means large nations really don't have, maybe it's not the space, but development of soccer apparently isn't a major thing. All that to say is we do play cricket. We moved to Bangladesh, um, and as we moved, we've been praying about a lot of things. You know about this because you've been following along, but we were praying between Dhaka and Chittagong to settle in. We are settling in Chittagong for language study, at least for the next couple years. Long-term vision, the Lord's laid a lot of things out before us, but obviously our heart is to see disciples made, churches planted around the country, and a nation go from uh, very little representation of Christ to a nation that loves the Lord Jesus. It is the largest, and by far the largest unreached people group in the entire world by far. And I wish that wasn't the case. So let's pray that it won't be the case for much longer. That said, I can tell you a lot of stories. I said three minutes, so I'll just give you one little brief story. One thing that people ask is like, what are you doing as you're studying language? First of all, studying language takes about 25, 30 hours a week um, as we head back in January. I want to tell you about First Colony and what you're doing, because you might wonder sometimes when you give to workers, how is your money being spent? Well, your money's being spent in a very specific way. You're actually paying for the language school, not just for us, but for all of our teammates as well. So the cost of the building to have a language school in, the cost of a language teacher, um, and then also private lessons with them. So if you're wondering how it's being spent, that's how it's being spent. You're teaching us Bengali through your sacrifice. So thank you. 
very practically, thank you. And we have specifically designated the gift from First Colony. So you're not just blessing us, you're blessing our entire team, which is two other families at this moment, and also two single girls who are coming to focus on our children while we are studying language. So I just want to say thank you for that. But as we walk through language, it's not just about that. Every day we get to build relationships. Bangladesh is a country of relationships. And what I mean by that is I might go to buy a light bulb, and the guy will tell me you're not buying a light bulb today. You're going to sit here, have a cup of tea, we're going to talk for an hour, and then he'll say, come back tomorrow for the light bulb. All I wanted was a light bulb. You think these are fake stories. These are real stories. Um, when you move into an apartment over there, it doesn't even come with lights. It comes with just the wires hanging out of the walls. And when you move out of a rented apartment, you have to take all the lights with you, let alone air conditioners and fans and anything else you want to buy. So how have our first couple months been spent? hanging out in random hardware stores looking for things so we can actually turn the light on the house or waiting 10 hours for them to install the lights because the power's out. And every time the power comes back on, they're out on a tea break. These are all real stories. We have lots of stuff to share with you, but here's the thing. As we built relationships with sometimes the poorest of the poor, and I'll tell you, it's my daughter half the time that builds those relationships because they say, hey, who is that girl that definitely doesn't belong here and she's got curly hair and she's smiling at me? Well, we start talking. And through, for instance, uh, an interaction on the street, we've gotten access in literally five and a half weeks in Chittagong. We've gotten access to places where even if you beat on the door, they won't give you access. But God gave us access through one person who led us to another person. All these are stories I'd love to share with you. But the point is this. If Priyanka and I can say one thing about our first couple months in Bangladesh, it's this, that the Lord has prepared the way. We're just walking in it. And that is so exciting as a body of Christ to know that he loves the Bengali people. He has a plan for them. And we're just part of it. We just get to uh, be, be, be instruments he uses. And for how long? Well, I hope for a long time. But, you know, it's just faithfulness each day. So be encouraged as you interact with whoever you interact with that the Lord wants faithfulness. It's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. And so don't gauge the rich, the poor, this, this, this is our plan. Just be faithful with every relationship he gives you. And we're excited to see what he's doing in Bangladesh. I do want to say that we brought some of these cards um, just family prayer cards for you to pray over. And on the back, there's a whole list of prayer requests, things that we're asking the Lord to do. And each one has a scripture reference next to it, just so you kind of know our heart behind asking you to pray for that specific thing. Of course, you can scratch up the card and write a lot more things on there, but we do ask you to pray if you'd be willing. There's also some podcast cards and other things, ways that you can kind of keep up with what's going on. So they'll be back with my wife. And I'll say that because you need to meet her. She's far nicer than I am. So that way, if you want a card, just find her back there. Or at the end, we'll leave them, I'm sure, by the missionary board. Um, but we just want to say we love you. Genuinely, we love you. We also love the Word of God. And there's nothing greater that we could do during the time we have remaining for the next about 33 minutes or so to go to the Word of God. You might say your math is off. Well, I aim to stop five minutes before the hour. I don't know when I was supposed to, but I just see 11.55 as your new schedule coming up, so I'll go off your new schedule. If I'm like going way over, just let me know. Otherwise, 33 minutes. Um, with that being said, we're going to the Word of God to Matthew chapter 1. I, I was asked to kind of, uh, this is the first week of Advent, and to um, kind of head towards the so-called Christmas story as we go to the Word of God. And I love this. First of all, I am one of those, you don't have to like me for it, it's okay, I don't really need your approval um, on this note, but I am a huge uh, 
fan of Christmas. And so I am one of those guys that you don't like who starts his Christmas music very early. I won't say how early because then you'll like me even less. I don't make it public usually till about November 1st. And then by then, um, I've been well into it for about 10 months. So that kind of gives you a clue. But that being said, um, I, you know, my, my playlist uh, is going when, when, when I'm the only one listening. And I get excited because this really is the framework of everything um, that life is about. In other words, the fact that God with us, that God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to become one of us. This is everything flows from the reality of Christmas. But when we come to the Christmas story, it is easy to be detached. When I say detached, we tell the Christmas story, we rehash the Christmas story, but do we enter into the Christmas story? And, and that's what I really want to discuss this morning because I want every time, no, 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 please, if you want me to speak on, on the historicity of Christmas and on, on, on Bethlehem in that day and on the, the context, the, the, the social context, the cultural context, please, I'm not here to rip apart all your manger scenes. I'm not going to do that today. So please, when I say things like I, I want you to think about the implications of entering into Christmas. I, I'm not suggesting that the ways we celebrate are all like, okay, biblical or even um, correct in history, but that's not my point. I'm not here to tear apart that. What I want to do today, though, is I do want every time that you're in a mall and you hear the music of Christmas, every time you see a Christmas tree in a lobby, Every time you see those ugly Christmas sweaters, every time you see these poinsettias that remind you of the season, what my prayer is this morning is that you're going to see the decisions you have to make if indeed you embrace the true story of Christmas. And you're going to know exactly what I mean here in a minute because there's four things we want to discuss of what you must embrace if you are going to embrace what the Word of God teaches us concerning the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I told you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, but I did something, and I don't know. I mean, you're, I know you, you, you preach here quite often. I don't know if you ever do these kinds of things, but I said it's Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and that was not a fully correct statement. See, there are 17 verses before that that are very key. I did not put them in your bulletin for a specific reason, because some of you might know what are in those 17 verses, and if I did, you might think I can sleep through the first five minutes of the message, and that would be very incorrect. Of course, how does Matthew chapter 1 begin? It begins with, uh, well, I think it's very exciting, um, background to the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's easy to brush over this. In fact, as I was walking through the passage in my mind this morning, my daughter hears me quoting it, and she says uh, to her mom, she says, is daddy making up all these names? <laughs> I'm not making them up at all. And let me tell you, they're very intentionally placed by God for us to glean from. So please, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Because here it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now before we go on any further, there's only two times that there is this type of introduction into a family line. There's Genesis 5 verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Adam. And there's the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, Every single person is part of one of those two families. Now, we're all part of the first family by birth. But the question is, are you going to be part of the second family? The two books of the genealogies. But here we have the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob 
was the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram, and Ram was the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Salmon. And I always want to say Salmon. It's not. It is Salmon. Father of Salmon. And Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. And of course, I named one of my daughters that beautiful name, Rahab, by Rahab. And Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David the king. Now, David the king was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now, I'm emphasizing these things because we're going to come back to something you have to embrace in just a minute if you want to be part of the family of Jesus Christ. By the wife of Uriah. And Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. And Abijah was the father of Asaph. And Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. And Joram was the father of Uzziah. Now, I'm going to pause there. That's interesting. Why did it go from Joram to Uzziah? Do you stay awake at night thinking that too? You say, why did you just stop right here? Well, in a little bit, we're going to see there were 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations. But what if I said, no, there aren't? Well, yes, there are because it's the way it's being shared with us. But you know, we just skipped some really key players in the story. We just skipped Ahaziah. You were thinking that, right? And then you were thinking, you just skipped Joash. And you just skipped Amaziah. Why did you say Joram and then Uzziah? Well, the Word of God says that. I think we should be thinking about these things. It's kind of exciting. Well, let's go on a little bit further because it doesn't end there. And so let's pick up with Uzziah. And Uzziah was the father of Jotham. And Jotham was the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abud, and Abud the father of Elie, um, am I right here? Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of uh, Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now the generations between Abraham and David were 14 generations, and the generations between David and the deportation to Babylon were 14 generations, and the generations between the deportation to Babylon and the birth of the Christ were 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now, you might say, why did you do it like that? Did you do it because like, you just wanted to quote it? No, actually, I did it. As I looked out, I knew why I did it again. I did it because every single one of you were looking at your Bibles for the entire genealogy, seeing, where is he going to mess up? I wanted you to see every name on there, and I found over years of preaching, the only way I can get people to focus on genealogies is by quoting them. So now you know the background to why all that took place. But also, I want you to just take a moment and think through what just went on. The very first thing you have to embrace, if you're going to celebrate Christmas biblically, you have to embrace your ancestry. And if you don't embrace your ancestry, you cannot celebrate a biblical Christmas. 
Because the fact is, the reason the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, the reason we have this ancestry before us, is because God wants you to see why He sent His Son. He sent His Son into a messed up, wicked family. Did you notice some of those uh, stories that were intentionally like punctuated ex- with an exclamation like, Judah? And how did he have his kids, Perez and, Tamar, uh, Perez and Zerah? By Tamar. You know that story? Uh, what about a little bit further? I mean, uh, Rahab, I think a great character once she was married, but uh, let's just say there was a past. Or, or, or even in the Ruth story, it's beautiful, but there's some scandal there. And not, not, not true scandal. I mean, scandal when you're just reading it and you're thinking, okay, what's going on? But then you get to even more extremes. You get to some of these kings that were just wicked characters. And yet, what is the Lord saying? He's saying, this is my family. Now, why did I make mention that at that one point we had Ahaziah and Joash and Amaziah left out between Joram and Uzziah? Why is that so significant? I'll tell you why that's significant. When you go get a job someday, or maybe you already have one, but I doubt if you ever have had a job, you've ever had to submit a resume at this point. One day you'll submit a resume. When you submit a resume, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to go to your mom and dad and say, what are all the bad things I've ever done? What are all the, like, the, the, the sleazy characters of life I've hung out with? Who would just really give me a bad reputation? Oh, when I put in my resume, I know so-and-so. I've done this. You won't do that. When you fill out a resume, you will fill out a resume that promotes yourself and ultimately points you to the job that you think you should have. That's what a resume does. Well, in this day, you know what a genealogy was? It was a resume. This is exactly what. So what is Jesus Christ pointing out? He's saying, this is my family. He's saying, this is what I'm about. Not the sin, but I came to save sinners. And that's going to come out in a little bit in Matthew chapter 1. This is the beauty of Christmas. When we celebrate Christmas, what am I celebrating? Well, I'm celebrating that a Savior has come. I I love how John Wesley, I believe, was the one. As he was dying, he just cried out all the things he says. Most beautiful is this. Emmanuel, God with us. With us. With me, this is a miracle that God would so love the world, people like us, like me, and come. So this is the family line he came into. But it doesn't stop there. You see, the birth of Christ took place in this way. And you're familiar with these verses, but let's just read verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph when they came together. uh, Before they came, uh, sorry, let me read that again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll notice in your, in your program that the verse selected as a key verse is Luke chapter 1, verse 38. We'll come to that at the end. And that obviously is Mary's surrender to the Lord saying, Behold, I'm the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to his word. But... I want you to think about the second thing you have to embrace. See, there's something about Mary, there's something about Joseph, there's something about both of them we all have to embrace. So we have to embrace our ancestry, but now we have to embrace the affliction of Christmas. The affliction. What do I mean by affliction? Well, think about Mary. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, and what happens? That she is pregnant with the Son of God before she and Joseph came together. Now, if you know from Deuteronomy 22, first of all, it's not just her very position in society that could be threatened. It's her very life. Deuteronomy 22 says very potently that a potential 
sentence for pregnancy or let's say unfaithfulness um, to marriage and betrothal was viewed as marriage was a stoning. This is serious. So when she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ or let's say surrender to the reality that she was going to carry the Lord Jesus Christ in her womb, she was embracing the affliction. Now, when I say embracing, I don't want to. I don't want to act like I know what you know. What was her choice in the matter of all this? I mean, like she obviously was chosen because highly favored one. Here you go. But she embraced it. That I, that I see. And in embracing the affliction, I want to ask you: When you enter into the story of Christmas, are you embracing the affliction that comes with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it any different for us today? If you choose to follow Jesus Christ, is there not affliction that is associated with the cross? Is it not, uh, is it not a, let's say, um, what's the right word here? Is it not that which pushes away many in the world when we talk about sin, when we talk about holiness, when we talk about our need for a savior? There is affliction. Does this, is this not the message that is clearly communicated from the Lord Jesus Christ, even when he climbed that sermon on the mount right off the Sea of Galilee, and he spoke to the multitude speaking, Blessed are, and of course he goes through the whole list, but what's the closing? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Why is this happening? Because of an embracing of truth. And what is truth? No, who is truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord Jesus Christ. There's affliction that comes with embracing the reality. So, so what did Mary uh, ultimately embrace? So she embraced God living in her, Jesus Christ. Don't read too much. I'm just saying in the womb. Well, hang on a second. What about us? Do we have an embracing in a very similar way? We do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, what does it tell us? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have God living in us. And what happens? Well, it brings a misunderstanding around us. It brings consequences to our physical life. Please don't assume that by embracing the beauty of Christmas that somehow you can go on living life like normal. No, no, there's a cost. And you know, Mary didn't just have a a, a cost from society, a a potential loss of life or whatever. She also lost the potential, uh, potentially lost her marital position now this leads us into the second thing because we see the birth of jesus christ took place in this way but let's move on into joseph's story and the two are going to be fused together now watch what happens verse 19 it says this her husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is, this is huge. When I come to Joseph's portion of this account, I have to say that this is really what resonates oftentimes with me. Because Joseph is put into a very difficult situation. If he rejects what mary's saying well then he's rejecting mary someone he loves and also he's a just man and he wants to do what's right but 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 on the flip side if he's going to believe or if he's going to believe the message of the angels and take mary as his wife 
please do not have the audacity to think otherwise that the world around him is going to think anything but that he is the father of the child. Because in that day and age, it would make no sense for him to take Mary as his wife unless indeed he had done the act. Now, why do I say it like that? Because this brings up the third thing we all have to embrace if we're going to embrace Christmas enter into the truth of christmas we need to embrace our ancestry we need to embrace embrace the uh, the affliction but now we have to embrace the affiliation the affiliation with christ that we are not just affiliated with him we've been joined to him this is what joseph really did you see he wasn't carrying baby jesus in his womb he wasn't he, he wasn't the one that's going to deliver christ but hang on he had to embrace the affiliation that came with it and the same is true for us today. See, when we enter into the story of Christmas, just like Joseph, well, what did he say? Verse, or what, what does it say in verse 19? He was unwilling to put her to shame. Let me ask you, if he was unwilling to put her to shame and he was going to do it in a just way, by taking her as his bride, he was putting himself to shame. He really was. He knew what was going to go on. But, but you might say, okay, fine. No, wait. This is pointing to something bigger. Do you realize that that phrase is only used twice in the New Testament? That putting to shame or being put to shame? Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. And you'll see the other reference to being put to shame. And I want you to see that the gospel is going to come out in this portion very clearly. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. It says this. I'm going to go back uh, just a little bit uh, for the sake of context, but also because it applies so beautifully to what we're going to celebrate in a few minutes as six obey the Lord in the waters of baptism. Verse 11, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross look at verse 15 he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him so what do we have we got two shame situations here we have joseph not wanting not willing to put mary to shame to public shame but here we do have that which is put to shame, and we see the Lord Jesus Christ doing it. He disarms the ruler's authorities and puts them to open shame by triumphing over them through ultimately his cross. But wait, before you think, okay, so he just put the, our enemies to shame. How did he put our enemies to shame? Well, if you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, you come to an answer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, what? Despising its shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who was put to open shame for us? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was put to open shame, and through him being put to open shame, he put to open shame through his victory on the cross of Calvary, which we're celebrating again today, his victory... He put our enemy to open shame. 
again, as we think about entering into the story of Christmas, yes, we embrace the affliction, but we also embrace the affiliation. In other words, we are with Christ. Is that not what these six are going to do when this ground is opened up in a little bit and they go down to the water? What are they declaring to each one of us? I am not just affiliated with Christ. Christ died the death I deserve. He conquered the grave that I, the wages of sin is death. But now thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate that affiliation. I love how Jesus states it in Matthew chapter 10. I don't remember, it's like 29, 30, 31, somewhere right around there where he says, he who declares me before men, I will declare before my Father who is in heaven. I love that affiliation. He chose to identify with us as man. Don't you love that song? Again, reason, why do I love Christmas? Many reasons. One reason, I love going to malls. I love going to public spaces. I love being on airplanes and hearing broadcasted by a secular world that pays little heed to the Lord Jesus, and yet they're choosing to push play on songs like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and Pleased as Men, Pleased as Man with Men to Dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Songs that so clearly state our need, and yet so clearly state the work of God on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I get excited every time I'm thinking, wow, the gospel's being preached. Now, of course, is it being understood? Is it being listened to? But man, it's certainly a conversation starter. Just ask someone next time you're in Coles and they're playing a song like that. Just pause and say, hey, what does that mean? Who is pleased as man to dwell with men? Who, what does Emmanuel mean? Do you have any clue? Any idea? Go with any of them. A little town of Bethlehem. Where was Bethlehem? Why did he choose to be born there? Like, who is Jesus? Just, you play that part and see what happens. It'll lead to a conversation for sure. It might be a short one, but it'll still lead to a conversation. Uh, so with that being said, we've got three things, but we have one more thing. And this last thing is very important, my friends, because this last thing is really the response of today. See, we have to embrace our ancestry. We have to embrace the affliction. We have to embrace the affiliation. But watch what happens in the end of this chapter, back to Matthew chapter 1. You might still be there, but I moved on to Colossians. Matthew chapter 1, and let's just read the closing portion of this chapter. Verse, uh, I'll pick back up in uh, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And look at that last line. And he called his name Jesus. Now, it might seem simple. It might be something you've heard many, many times over. But my friends, this is not simple. And this is incredibly profound for us to enter into the story of Christmas. See, there's one final thing we have to embrace. When I had, uh, well, I, I didn't physically have, but when my wife um, gave birth to our two daughters, you know, you know what we didn't do? I know it might shock you, but what we didn't do is we didn't go to um, Benoit, or we didn't go to Reba, or we didn't go to uh, whoever here and say, hey, you know, we just had a baby. What should we name our baby? We didn't do that. In fact, we didn't tell anybody even what we were thinking about naming our baby. Nobody even knew the potential names. 
It's something we prayed over extensively, and there's a lot behind every name of our children, first and, and middle. Last, there wasn't too much thought behind that, but, um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Why did we not go to you all? Why did we not go to others? Because God gave us a responsibility. He entrusted these children to us, and part of that was giving them their name. Now, this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? When God gives authority to Adam, what was one of his first jobs? Name the animals. And what? There was authority that was given to him. In ancient days, when one king conquered another king, what oftentimes happened? They would rename that king. And they would give him a name that usually was not a name above every other name, right? It would be a name which was a name of disgrace. This happens still in our world today. You know, people are, are trapped by the bondage of uh, evil spirits. And I lived in West Africa for, well, I guess still most of my life. 20 years in West Africa, I'm 38, so it's still most of my life for a couple more years. Um, and in living there, there's a lot of bondage to evil spirits. So they'll name their kids things like owner of darkness. And these are exact examples, by the way. Um, and, and when these ones come to Christ, they change their name. They don't want to be the owner of darkness, so they'll change their name to owner of light. There's one uh, lady in, in the assembly in, um, in Senegal, and, and her name is Ken Imbugul. No one loves me is her name. And the reason they name her that is they think he'll keep the evil spirits off of her by naming her No One Loves Me. Of course, her name, and she doesn't call herself that anymore, being in Christ. Um, recently, a friend of mine here in the States, uh, he and his family adopted um, two, they fostered, and then they adopted two young men. And when these young men finally finished the adoption process, one of the first things they wanted to do was change their names. And they changed their names to something that, that, that wasn't about their past. It wasn't about the hurt they had experienced, but they wanted a fresh start in life. Well, here's the thing about naming. When you come to Matthew chapter 1, it is extremely clear that one privilege that was not given to Joseph or Mary was to name the child. You say, well, they gave them his name. It says that in verse 25. Yes, but they did not name him. You see, God named him. He has a name. His name shall be called Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, his, his name was not up to popular vote. It was not to the opinions of man. And let me say today, the same thing is true in each of our lives. When we come into the story of Christmas, the last thing we have to embrace is we have to embrace the authority. The authority. See, you can't come into Christmas deciding what is truth and what isn't truth. You can't come into Christmas and, and accommodate Jesus. Jesus wasn't born as one to be accommodated. Jesus came in as authority. He came in with a name that is above every name. He came in already as the ruler, as the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And the same thing is true for our life today. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, but simply made him a servant to your own will and your own plans, my friends, you have a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the scriptures. Because Jesus of the scriptures is nothing less than God. And he came so that we could be part of his family because we were trapped in the book of the genealogy of Adam. But we come on his terms. And his terms is that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But what did the Lord do? He laid on him the iniquity of us all. And now what do we have? We have Christmas. We have an invitation to come. We have an invitation to be part of 
his family. And yes, there'll be that short period on earth where there is affliction associated with it. There'll be a short period on earth where the affiliation with the name of Jesus Christ might bring a disrepute among certain ones that before you sought the approval of. But ultimately one day, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, who are we? We are his children forever. So my friends, as you see the signs of Christmas, as you celebrate this beautiful season, as you walk through, I'm guessing, a series of messages that pertain to the Advent, I want to ask you, are you willing to truly enter into Christmas? Christmas is not just something to celebrate. Christmas is a participation with your life, your actual life. Are you actually willing to bow the knee to this one who is the authority? Are you actually willing to embrace what comes with living for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And let me ask you, have you ever come to Jesus Christ on his terms and said, Lord, I know I need a savior and I know you're the only one who can save my soul. Have you ever asked him to save you? Have you ever given your life to him? Well, today's a beautiful day to do it. If you haven't, please talk to someone here you know, someone you um, know has a walk with the Lord Jesus. And if you don't know anyone here, well, you certainly can talk to me um, or I can point you to someone else. But please make sure today that you've entered into the entire purpose of Christmas, and that is that you and I might be saved and have eternal life through the work of this baby who was born in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. I'm going to close out in prayer, um, and then I know there's going to be um, a follow-up, so don't be too eager to leave. Father in heaven, I want to say thank you for this wondrous message of the Incarnation. I thank you that you have invited us into your family, into your book, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that in your mercy you included characters like Judah, that you included characters that I can relate to, like David, like Rehoboam, or characters like Tamar. Lord, there's so much confusion and so much hurt in this world, and I can say all we, but that we, I just say, man, Nathan <laughs> has gone astray. And yet I'm so thankful for the shepherd of my soul who pursued me. I'm so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and that I can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so, Father, wherever each life is this morning, my prayer for them is that they would turn to the only solution for their soul, that they would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who came so that all men might live. And for those of us that know you, Lord, I pray that we would not just accept the truth of Christmas, but that we would embrace the truth of Christmas and that it would be our joy, it would be our privilege to be affiliated with the Lord Jesus Christ, to, be, uh, to bear the affliction that comes with his name and to very boldly, and consistently proclaim him to a world that desperately needs to know that God loves them. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.